Are you ready? I'm going to try to say this as nice as I can. <laughs> it's not really that bad. It's, more, it's probably worse in my own heart, but it is. Um, okay. So we've been talking about Wake, Pray, Slay. This is actually has been a pretty fun um, for us. It's just kind of been a – and next uh, month we're going to have a real, real fun sermon series just talking about – uh, just a you know, creative way of us talking about you know, waking up and, and having eyes that are open and then praying and being people of prayer. And slay is just another word of basically meaning, you know, go after your accomplishments, go after your goals, those type of things. And Pastor Joy had a, had a really uh, excellent message last week, and, and man, it was just really powerful. And so this week when the, the Lord's been dealing with me, with this, with me a few different, for a few different weeks now, and so I just kind of like let it all kind of download and channel it onto paper and so the title of this message today is, We Need an Awakening. We Need an Awakening. And, and I guess the subtitle would be, A Passion for People. So God needs to awaken in us a passion for people. We need an awakening. And so in order to have a perspective, to have a passion for people, we need to have a perspective of eternity. We need to have an, an, a perspective that, that knows that, that, that there is eternal significance to the things that we do. And eternity is basically what it is. It's just a time that is without end. So when you read in the Bible and you read about eternity or you hear people talk about eternity or you read books and they use the word eternity, what, what that means is when, when you breathe your last breath, it's the time that does not end after that. And so in order for us to have a passion for people, in order for us to have eyes that are, that are awake, in order for us to, to be people uh, that, are, that, that have uh, an unction that says there's a desire and a drive in me to reach after people, the only way that happens is, number one, friends, we need to have an awakening of the reality of hell. It's going to be quiet. It's going to be quiet in here. I, I just already know it. It's, our, it's already going to be quiet. <laughs> and that's fine. I'm good with it. We need to have an awakening of the reality of hell. Friends, it's a real place. It's not figurative. Jesus didn't make it up. He didn't try to do scare tactics so that people would follow him. That is not the case. Jesus actually talked about hell a lot when you read in the, in the New Testament. I mean, the major, and just to let you know, the majority of my scriptures, come, it's coming out of Matthew. It's coming out of the mouth of Jesus himself. So Jesus spoke about hell a lot. And so it's funny that I don't really hear people talk about hell a lot in church. Jesus did talk about it. He actually talked about hell more than he did about heaven. And in every parable, he's at the end, he's saying something about, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth and, and giving parables of what's happening to these people. And we're going to get into that. So, friends, it's not figurative. It's a real place. And this is the thing. When Jesus spoke about it, a lot of times he was speaking about it to the religious establishment. So, so Jesus wasn't preaching hell to the people that didn't have relationship with God. He was talking about it to the people that already had concepts of God and the people that were already, quote, unquote, religious. I mean, I see Jesus talking to Pharisees, and he's rebuking them. And why was he rebuking them? He was rebuking them because their actions and their attitudes were not they didn't coincide. They were, they were not in agreement. He actually told them, he would say, you put, you put weight on others that you yourself aren't willing to carry. 
I'm telling you, if you want to live a, a, a life that's in alignment with God, man, just follow the Gospels. Read the teachings of Jesus. Because as a minister, I'm telling you, the majority of the way I teach and the, the majority of the way I live my life is because of what Jesus said. And so for me, I, you know, I don't preach stuff. I don't put stuff on people that I can't carry. Why? Because Jesus said that. Because I don't want to be religious. I don't want to be hypocritical. So I'm not going to tell somebody to do something that I can't do. If I'm trying to tell you to diet, if I can't diet, I ain't telling you. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Off topic, but let's go here. Okay, we're going to read a few verses here. This is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. Friends, I believe that, that we need to have an understanding of the clarity of hell because when you realize that it's a real place and that people, this is the destination for people, hopefully it sparks a fire inside of you to speak what God's called you to speak. You can say amen right there. It's what gives me a fire. And it's been a while since I've had this fire, but it's kind of come in. And this is what's so, this was so messed up. I was looking through my notes. You know the last time I preached about hell? 2010. That's messed up. That's messed up. I've heard, and, let me tell you, and this is what makes it even more messed up. I've listened to a lot of messages in these last... 18, eight years from then, I haven't heard one of them about talking about eternity in that. I've read some books and they've talked about it, but so nothing against that. It's just Revelation chapter 20. We're going to be reading a lot of the word today. Is that cool? All right. The word preaches itself, so we're going to let, we're going to let the word speak. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. It says, then I saw a great white throne, and this is, uh, this is John speaking. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seating it, seated on it. The heaven and the earth fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Say books. Books. Does anybody know what those books are? What are those books? Well, these, well, this one, okay, we're going to get into that in a minute. Yeah, but these, but it, these are books. These are, this is your life. So whether you realize this or not, there is an angel that is scribing your entire life. And moreover than the things that you do, the Lord has insight on the reason why we do them. <laughs> it says, so scripture says it, you know, every deed, every careless word, dang it. Mess up there a lot. So it says right here, it says, The dead were judged according to what they had done recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead and that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead and that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. So basically it's like there are journals of your life that are going to be opened up for the Lord and the great cloud of witnesses to see. And when, that, when those books open, it's going to share everything you've done. It's going to share everything you've said. And this is the scary part. It's going to share everything you thought, the reason why you did it. <laughs> you don't believe me? Read the Bible. It's in there. And this is it, verse 15. Or, or, or 14. Then death and the Hades were thrown in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Okay, that's okay, number 15. We're not going to get into all that for now, but this is what you got to know right here. This is the most important part. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. 
So friends, it doesn't matter if your name is in the history book. It doesn't matter if your name is in Guinness Book of World Records. It doesn't matter if your name is in Who's Who. It doesn't matter if your name is in the Inquirer, is in the Times Magazine, if you're a face on GQ. It doesn't matter. All those things are fine. But friends, if your name is not found in this book, this is the one that matters. Is your name in that book? Are those around you, are their names in that book? Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life, friends, that's the, if there is any book that your name needs to be in, that needs to be it. So, friends, just think about this for a minute. This is what baffles me. So just think about this. Satan, right, when he was Lucifer, this guy is so crafty that he actually, he actually manipulated and caused one-third, say one-third, one-third of the angels to rebel against God. And what happened to the third of the angels and Satan? They were cast down to the, you know, Scripture you know, says cast them down like lightning. You know, they were thrown out of heaven. They were cast out of heaven. So this is what baffles me. This is what's incredible. Okay, the angels were in the very presence of God. They were in the very essence of God. They, were, they saw God. They saw the attributes. They saw the qualities. They saw God creating things. They saw God doing what he does. And if Satan can cause a third of the angels that are in the very presence of God, how crafty and cunning is he to manipulate us, to manipulate mankind, to manipulate people who, who we don't see God physically? We're not in there. We're not standing before the throne. If he can cause a third of the angels, how much more susceptible are us? Just saying. Took a third of the angels. They rebelled against God. These angelic beings that saw the very creation of God. So hell's a real place. And this is where it gets sticky. Are you guys ready for this? Many people are going there. I told you, man, this is going to be tough. I'll let you know, I'm going to try to say it as happy as possible. Many people are going there. Think about it. Statistically, then the parable of the soils, it's only one out of four that's good fruit. So you have three soils that are bad fruit and one soil that's good fruit in the parable of the soils. And how do I know that, that producing good fruit is like the right thing to do? I mean, in order to be in the kingdom of God, friends, you have to produce good fruit. And I know this because of, of my boy in Matthew chapter 3. His name is John the Baptist. And this is what John the Baptist says. He's talking to the Pharisees. Friends, you don't want to be a Pharisee. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be a Pharisee. <laughs> you don't want to be a Pharisee. Pharisees were getting rebuked by John the Baptist. Now, there were some good Pharisees. You know, not all of them are bad. I mean, you've got Nicodemus. You've got a ton of them that, I mean, they, I mean, they're, I mean, when, when Paul's preaching, I mean, it says numerous, numerous uh, believers in like the Sanhedrin and stuff. Numerous of these people commit their life to Christ. But there were some, there were a lot of them that weren't. Man, they were very religious, very pious, very proud, very hypocritical. Some so my boy John the Baptist, this guy right here, man, this guy lives on locusts and honey. He's a wild cat. You think, you think, you think Joy and I are wild? And you got none on this guy. 
So he's down at the Jordan River. He's preaching the gospel. And it says, but when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, oh my gosh, you brood of vipers. You thought, you thought you heard some firestone and fire and brimstone preaching? This guy. He says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? If you don't remember anything, friends, remember this. Let this be a life verse for you. Say life verse. This is what he tells them. And, I, and, and I, I pray that this remains in my heart. I pray this remains in your heart. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. I'm not going to get into all that, what that exactly means, but I'm just going to let you know that that basically means that you know, do the right thing and have a heart that's, that's teachable, have a heart that's humble, and a heart that goes after God. Okay, that repentant heart. And do you not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Now, this is the reason I'm, 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 I'm reading this parable or this scripture, this teaching of, of John the Baptist. What I say, I said in the parable of, the, of the, the parable of the seeds, one out of four produces good fruit, right? One withered uh, one, Satan stole it, stole the, the seed fast. The second one withered click, uh, quickly because it had no root. Third one, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth choked out the plant, making it unfruitful. And the fourth one was good soil, bared much fruit. Okay, now this is the reason why I'm reading this for this last verse. Verse 10, it says, The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What's that mean? What's, what's the fire? Come on in, Margaret. Just say it as it is. So if you live a life that's not producing good fruit, it's going to be thrown to the fire. That's not, he's not just speaking symbolic. He's speaking the fire of God, the fire, excuse me, the, fi the fire of torment, of being away from God forever and for eternity. Every tree that does not produce good fruit. Are you a tree that's producing good fruit? If not, it's still time to produce good fruit. You can produce good fruit. I mean, think about this. Most of the people that we see day by day, if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, friends, they're going to spend eternity separated from God and from everything good in torment with no relief. Mark chapter 9. We're going to read, the, we're going to read, just keep reading here. Is that cool? Mark chapter 9, Jesus is teaching parables, and he says, if you're, he says, like, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to live life with one eye than to have two eyes and go to hell. You know, if you're, and this is, he says, and then he goes on to say in verse 30 or 43, he says, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than two hands and go to hell where the fire never goes out. Say, never goes out. You guys said that pretty soberly. <laughs> and if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two and to be thrown into hell. Verse 48, where the worm that eats them does not die and the fire is not quenched. So he's giving just a little bit of a description of what hell's like. See, there's like this big belief system in our 
culture that thinks that hell's going to be some party with the devil. No, it absolutely isn't going to be a party at all whatsoever. When, I mean, biblically, when they talk about hell, it's torment, it's torture, it's agony, it's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, I, if you don't, you know, maybe that's a phrase that we don't use too often. I guess the most modern day equivalent I could say would gnashing of teeth would be like if you have you ever like been in so much pain that you like heard your teeth and they're like grit down and you're grinding your teeth. Have you ever been in like that much pain? Is anyone here? Maybe if you were pregnant, maybe you know before epidurals you had a you know a child, or maybe you you know broke an arm or something. But I don't know if you've ever been in that much pain or if you've ever had where your teeth are like they're like grinding because you're like you know you're like, so so it says there'd be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's that's the the equivalent of this of this this pain, this torture that, that people are going through. It's like their teeth are grinding because that's the best way I could describe what gnashing of teeth is. And this is the scary reality. Are you ready for this one? You got your steel toe boots on still? Are you good with this? You with me? Say amen. All right. Here it goes. This is the word. Friends, a lot of people sitting in churches that think they are going to heaven just because they go to church, when according to Scripture, they're not. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23 says this. Matthew chapter 7, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Now, I just want to let you know, Jesus didn't have a speech impediment. He, didn't, he wasn't saying, Lord, Lord, to, to repeat himself, like how we can sometimes do with our kids when they're not listening. You know, and, and mine is usually justice, justice. You know, it's like, you know, you say like somebody's name over and over. He's not saying that. He's not saying that because somebody needs to be addressed uh, uh, numerous times. Uh, in their culture, they didn't have an explanation point. Okay? So when you see words that are together, like back to back like that, that's an explanation. So it's like, so it would be equivalent to us putting an explanation point behind it. So not everyone who says to me, Lord, what it means. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But I believe in God. The scripture says even the demons believe in each other. Not everyone, this is sobering. This, this scripture keeps me in line. Hopefully it'll keep you in line. Matthew, just remember Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's why I highlighted that. Many will say to me on that day, say many. It doesn't say few. I wish it said few. Our job is to hopefully make it few. Our job is to snatch people from hell. The church, the job of the church is to depopulate hell. That's our job. Our job is to keep people from going there. The scripture talks about snatching them from the flames. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So that just, again, reiterates what's it about. It's about having covenant relationship with Jesus. It's about having that intimacy with Jesus. It's not about, it's not about doing stuff. It's not about looking good. It's not about church attendance. It's about you and God and having that personal intimate, say intimate, relationship with him where he says, I know you and you know me. Many are going to be deceived thinking they, could, they did all the good stuff, but they never had that, that personal connection with him. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. 
It says, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one. Say the one. Who's the one? The one is highlighted, so he's talking about be afraid of the one. He's talking about the one. Though There's only one that we really need to be afraid of, and it's called the fear of the Lord, right? Be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Okay, so not to be afraid of people, and we don't even have to be afraid of the devil. He's given us the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions because of our connection with Jesus. Because Jesus lives in you, so when the devil sees you, he sees Jesus, so he flees. Amen? Say amen right there. Come on, see, if you don't know that, then it's time to know that. When the, when, when the devil looks at Josh Hester, he doesn't look at somebody who's, who's been set free uh, and serving the Lord for 20 years because of his own merit. When he looks at Josh Hester, he sees Jesus Christ, and, and that's the authority that causes him to flee. So when he looks at Paul, he sees Jesus. When he looks at Bailey, he sees Jesus. Are you getting it? So fear the Lord. Number two. So number one, friends, we need to have an awakening of the reality of hell. This place is real. And people that don't have a relationship with Jesus, they're going there. And it's our job as a church to depopulate hell. Say depopulate hell. Friends, that's, the, that's, that's, that's our goal. Number two, friends, we need to have an awakening to the fact that everything has eternal significance. Everything we do. Everything we do and say now. Say now. Hold on, that was so weak. We got to try that again. Everything we do and say now, say now. Still not right. I'll give you all one more chance. Just like, just like the coach, I know you got a little bit better in you. Everything we do and say now. All right, good. Everything we do and say now will dictate what happens there, what happens when we stand before him. That's why Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasure here on earth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and vermin destroy. I hate vermins. I just got to be honest. This, for some reason, this, this winter, I mean, I mean, we, our house, I mean, we haven't had mice in, in a long time, and we got mice, and they are just so smart. It's like they, like, they dodge every single glue trap. Like, I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Smart suckers. Get a cat. I had one of those before. Had to get rid of the cat. It says, do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Has anyone here ever had something stolen? Say, yes, I have. Mm. Has anyone here ever stolen something? Say, that's me right here. Yeah, I'm right here. I went to jail for all that stupid crap. Yep. Verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy. There's not going to be any pesky little mice. Where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he goes on and he, and he, and he ends it with a sucker punch to the gut. I love Jesus. He has a way of just like putting it out there and then give it a little smack in the face at the end. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. <laughs> what's important to you because that's where your heart is and where your heart is that's where your treasure is and where your treasure is that's where your heart is where do you find yourself giving the majority of your time and energy and resources that's where your heart is and that's what you treasure and that's what you're pouring your resources into and so friends 
Hopefully, our treasure is in the kingdom. That our heart can be about the kingdom things, about the things of God. Jesus, now notice, Jesus didn't say, sell everything, be a pauper. <laughs> be, be, you know, live on the streets. He just says, you know, man, we just got to have, we got to have an, a perspective that focuses on, on the significance of what's going to happen for eternity than the stuff that happens around us. And it, it's so easy for all of us, every single one of us in this room, and every single one of us that's not in this room, to become so consumed with the things that are around us. So distracted. I believe, I, I, think, I think for the rest of our life, for the rest of our life, we're going to fight distraction. And, and, and it, it, you should always have that fight. If you don't have that fight, then, then I don't think you're fighting. But, if there, but you should always have that thing that's pushing the, the, the resistant, you're resisting the things of the world. Because the enemy will always, that's, he's going to try to draw you in. And that you're continually trying to be focused heavenly. And focusing on heaven, and that's why it's that's why it's so important for us to you know to give our time, energy, and resources because uh, that's that is that is the best retirement plan that you can have. Now this is a scary one right here. You guys still good? Still with me? Still got a few more min minutes of getting beat a little bit. You can ask my kids after I spank them, I sit down and give them a hug. <laughs> sit them on my lap, tell them I love them. <laughs> Matthew chapter 25, I love you. I believe the Lord placed this burden on me because he wants you to have the burden too. Because I believe it will drive us to live a life of significance and try to reach people. When we realize the reality of, man, this is... This is, the, this is the truth. This is it. There's no fairy tales here. Matthew chapter 25, I want to read a few verses here. I want to read the, the parable of the sheep and the goats. You want to be a sheep. Look at your neighbor and say, bah. <laughs> you, 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 trust me, before we read this, you may not like sheep. You want to be a sheep. Okay? Say this with me. Say, I want to be a sheep. Yep, I want to be a sheep. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Amen. Verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer. I love that, that God is describing his people as righteous. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord. They didn't even realize what they were doing. That's what's so amazing about this. They were humble. They were just, they were just doing the will of God, didn't even realize. They weren't, they weren't parading it around, showing off all the stuff that they were doing for God. 
It says, then the righteous will answer. Because why? Because they're humble. And they were just loving people, didn't realize that they were doing it for Jesus. It says, then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or need clothes to clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So he's basically saying how you treated people, you were treating me. When you were ministering to them, it was like you were ministering to me. Now to the goats. Then then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devils and his angels. I'm going to pause it for a minute. Do you know hell was not prepared for God's people? When God created mankind, when he created Adam and Eve, he didn't say, I'm going to create hell for them to be a place. No, hell was created for the devil and his angels, those who rebelled against God from the beginning. It wasn't created for you. Heaven was created for you. Heaven was created for me. Heaven was created for the sons of God and the daughters of God. Depart from me, you are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or in need of clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you. Whatever you did not do for the least of these, say least. This is why we have a ministry in South Toledo. Whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Verse 46. says, then they will go away to eternal punishment. The righteous to eternal life. we only knew what that looked like. So friends, uh, personally, all of our efforts and deeds, all of our efforts and our deeds are going to be tested. All of our motives are going to be tested. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You guys sit with me? First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15. It says, If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Say, each person. If what he has been building survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if it's burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. So everything, I've, everything I'm doing is going to be tested. Everything that you're doing is going to be tested. Did Josh Hasser plant churches out of selfish ambition so that he could make a name for himself? 
Did he lend to the poor because he wanted to Facebook Live it, show everybody his, we're, we're all going to be tested. My, my work, your work, we stand before him. It's going to be tested. And that's why it is absolutely critical. It's critical. It's absolutely vital. Friends, we got to have a pure heart. We absolutely, absolutely have to have a pure heart. We have to have a pure heart. God is going to judge every action, every motive. He's going to reveal the deepest secrets. There's things that we thought nobody saw, but let me tell you, there was a little angel that recorded that thing. That's why it's better to just go ahead and confess your sin. If you embarrass sin, sin will not embarrass you. If you got sin, you need to just confess it. Put it out on blast now so that when you're standing before him and before the great cloud of witnesses, you're not embarrassed then. And not that, I mean, all of us are going to, we're going to see all of our, all of our shortcomings and failures are going to be shown. It just, it is what it is. But if you have stuff that nobody knows, only you know. Told y'all this was going to be rough, didn't I? I already told y'all that. I forewarned you. I had to get this before I gave it. I had to. Better to have a pure heart. Number three, finally. Almost done here. Friends, number one, we need to have an awakening of the reality of hell. Number two, we need to have an awakening of the fact that everything has eternal significance. And friends, number three, we need to have an awakening to the commission God has given us. The commission that God has given us. It is our job to spread the good news. Do you know that? Anybody know what the good news is? The gospel. What Jesus did. Joy. Peace. The things of God. Man, friends, we, we tell you all the time about how, you know, the, you know, how good God is the benefits. Forget not the Lord and his benefits. It's good news. It's not bad news. It's not being beat over the head. It's good news. Friends, we don't want to scare people into a relationship with God. And friends, I believe that we do need to have a reverence, we need to have fear of the Lord, which basically us having a reverence and respect for God, okay? The, obviously, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. It doesn't say to, to, to fear God with all of our heart. It says to love God with all of our heart. And God, in, in his, in his uh, scripture, he never, ever wanted people to, to, to be feared into the kingdom. What kind of relationship is that? I mean, what kind of relationship is it that you have with a person and you're afraid of them? That's not a relationship. That's control. God never intended us to be scared in a relationship with him, but, but I think we do need to know the severity of what happens when we're not following him. There needs to be this fine balance that happens in being a follower of Christ, that we understand the great mercy and power and grace and love and affection of our God, but yet... Yet, he does not let the wicked go unpunished. Right? So what is our commission? What's the great commission? It's found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, friends. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Just teaching them. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
That's a great commission. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. As you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. He told the disciples that in Matthew chapter 10, and he tells us to do the same. I didn't, I didn't take that as a commission just for the apostles that were following. I take that as a commission for every believer. Proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. And don't just proclaim it, live it, and do something about it. He's given us authority. Pray for those who are sick. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Man, pray, man. God heals, delivers. Come on. Cast out some demons. Anybody here ever cast out demons before? If you haven't, you want your world to be rocked? See a few demons. They'll rock your world. Change your change life, man. I'm telling you, you know, that's, you know, I'm going to just pause here for a minute. Do you know that's one of the things that actually caused me to actually give attention to God was I had, before, before even going to church, before even experiencing anything like that, I had some supernatural spiritual encounters with demonic activity that kind of awakened my, my, my heart to the spirit realm. I think some people just need to have an experience with a devil or two and maybe it'll wake them up. <laughs> I mean, think about it. How many people in the, in, the, in the New Testament, they had Jesus, you know, they were, they were stricken and afflicted and, and demonically oppressed, and, and Jesus drove out. And think, I mean, think of, of, of how they were set free, and then I guarantee you their life was never the same. It's hard in America because instead of actually getting set free, we give them drugs. And there's nothing wrong with drugs, but you can't cope a demonic stronghold away. And I'm not against, you know, people need, then they need to continue taking their medicine. But I believe, I believe Jesus came to set you free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. I, believe, I, I 100% believe that depression is of the devil. Oppression is of the devil. I've seen some stuff. We can sit here for hours. I can tell you some stories. As we draw closer to God, hopefully you'll start seeing. And, you know, I think everybody needs to see that stuff anyways. I just, there's nothing like an experience. Somebody can talk you out. Somebody can, dic- somebody can sit there and, and debate with you about the Bible, and they believe how it's not this, that, and the other. But, can't, but no, one can, no one can debate you out of your experience. That's why I defeated them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Not the word of Jesus' testimony. Your testimony. What you saw. That's why Luke said in the, first, in the book of Acts, he said that, that I'm here scribing, I'm writing the things that I saw Jesus do and teach. I saw it. It was his testimony. Friends, this is the reason why the church exists. To be a vessel that preaches the gospel that encourages and uplifts, that strengthens, that as we, have, as the body of Christ, that we do our job. So, friends, there's two things, real quick, and we're going to end here. Friends, we have to absolutely make sure that our name is in that book. Remember that book we read earlier, the very first scripture we read in Revelation chapter 20? Friends, make sure your name is in that book. I can't make sure that name's in that book for you. Only you can. And you do that through your relationship with God. So, friends, make sure that your name is in that book. And, friends, number two, after that, you need to make sure everybody that's around you, that their name is in that book too. 
Absolutely. Make sure people's names in that book. Your family, your kids, your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, your coworkers, your neighbors. Make sure their name is in that book. But I'm too afraid. Do not fear man who can only kill your body. Fear the Lord. Would you stand to your feet with me today? just go ahead and do this. Friends, right where you're standing, would you just create an altar? An altar is just a place where you meet with God. So right where you're standing, right where you're at, just create a place where you're meeting with God. For Jacob, it was a rock. He had an encounter with God at this rock. He named it Bethel. Became an altar, poured oil on it. So this is Bethel. I met with God here. So right where you're standing, create an altar, a place where you meet with God. Friends, anytime you're at the altar, you're at a good place. Because it's a place where exchange happens. And so, friends, would you take this time right where you're standing, and would you give to the Lord the things that, that need to be given to Him? Just confess before him right here, right where you're at. If you got sin issues in your life, confess those things. If you've got, this is, come on, this is a big one right here. This, this, this will stop you from being with him. If you have unforgiveness in your heart towards people, you absolutely 100% have to deal with that. 100%. There's only two things that, that, that are like major things that keep people out of the kingdom, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and unforgiveness. And no, no one in here, I believe, is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But you may have unforgiveness. There may have been people in your heart, in your life, that you've just held on to that thing, and you've said, you hurt me, and I buried it. And I'm not saying that you, you will be 100% healed right this moment, but if you, take, if you take the step towards forgiveness by saying, by faith, I choose to forgive this person, even if you don't necessarily feel it, it's by faith, it's not by feeling. I remember that place. I'm going to uh, share that but, uh, real quick. I remember that place myself. My, I my, my, didn't have the best father growing up. I mean, abusive. I mean, there's, I, I'm not going to sit here and get into all of that. But I remember when I came, when I committed my life to Christ, you know, and it was hard for me because I because it was like not only not only the things I received, but the things that you know that that I saw him do to my mom, and uh, and so I remember when I committed my life to Christ, and I just had this this anger towards my dad. Just this, I mean, I, I mean, I went after my dad with a baseball bat one time. I mean, okay, anyways, enough. So I just had this anger, and I remember being on on I remember being on the ground in my bedroom, and I'm punching the ground. And I'm saying, God, I know your word says I got to forgive, but I just don't know how to forgive this man. And as, as I started punching the ground, I started weeping. I started crying. And I said, God, by faith, I choose to forgive him. And as soon as I said that, I felt something break off me. And I just started crying. And then 
through a course of time, the Lord began to show me a reality of what my dad's life looked like growing up and the reason why he was who he was and the reason why he did what he did and gave me compassion for that and actually gave me a love for him. I just talked to my dad a number of months ago. I was living in Arizona. And it was a process. Maybe, there, maybe there's somebody in your life that, that, that did something devastating to you or abandoned you. That's a deal breaker. You gotta, first off, you gotta be free from that so that you don't walk in that because there's a freedom God wants you to walk in. And secondly, friends, you gotta let that go because that is a deal breaker. So I'm gonna just hit that one more time. If you got unforgiveness towards a person, maybe a lover of yours, maybe, maybe a person that was a parent, a role model, a pastoral figure, a leader, a boss, a person who violated you as a child. Deal with that right here, right now. That's a big one. Yeah, Lord, how you love us. How you love us, Lord. Jesus, would you just bring healing? Would you bring mercy? Would you just comfort those even in this place, God? And even from that, God, if we have other sin issues, thank you for just helping us to stand before you, God, and laying that out. And then secondly, and that, this is my prayer for you today, friends. Father, would you put a passion in me that I would love you with all of my heart and love my neighbor as I love myself. Give me a passion for people. Give me a passion for you. Give me a desire to want to be with you and a desire to want to see people with you. Would you just stir that in us? God, would you just stir that? Would you awaken us? Awaken us. Bring an awakening, Lord. Bring an awakening. Awaken Vision Ministries. Awaken Vision Waterville. God, awaken the churches here in Waterville. Awaken us. Awaken the Church of America. God, awaken, Lord Jesus, the Church of Toledo. God, awaken the churches all across our state. God, awaken men and women of God to have, God, an understanding and a belief and a conviction and a passion for people, for the lost, for the Lord, for your presence. God, just wake, on, wake us up, Lord. We don't want to play church. God, we don't want to pretend like we got it all together. We don't want to act like we're perfect. God, we don't want to be pious or, or arrogant or religious. Lord, we just want to be genuine and authentic and real and loving and compassionate. God, we want to love you with everything, and we want to love others the same way we love ourselves. And God, only you can do that in and through us. We can't conjure that up. We can't make that happen by our own merit. We can't work that out by our own works. But Lord, it's something that you do. It's something that you deposit. God, it's the work of grace that you do in and through our lives. And so, Father, we say yes to you today. I say yes to you, God. I say yes to allow you to break me, God, for, for the things of God, to break me for people that are lost and dying, to break me, God, for those that are addicted and depressed and deceived. Lord Jesus, would you break my heart for your sons and daughters who aren't walking with you, Lord. In Jesus' name. 
Would there be a driving that happens in Vision Waterville and Vision South Toledo to reach people? Because it's our mandate. It's our mandate, God. It's the reason why you planted us out here was to reach people. To reach people, God. We say yes to you.